Welcome to another edition of Sean's Sports Show. This is episode number 94, and I'm coming at you live from Los Angeles, California. Uh, today I'm going to be covering the breaking news in sports as well as the uh, Los Angeles sports teams. Well, first of all, for the breaking news in sports, I'm going to be uh, reporting news and then giving my take on each topic, unless it is uh, you know, rather controversial, as I have tended to not in the past, and I will continue, continue in that trend. So... Um, with that said, I'm also going to be covering the the results of the Los Angeles sports teams in the 2018 French Open as it's uh, c- coming to a close pretty soon. And uh, yeah, so the first thing that I'm going to be reporting has to do with MLB baseball. Uh, with Manny Machado's days in, in a Baltimore Orioles uniform seemingly numbered, potential suitors are gearing up to try to make a run at the All-Star shortstop. It's not clear how many teams will join the sweepstakes, but at least one has reportedly already, already checked in. According to FanRag Sports, John Heyman, the Philadelphia Phillies are big fans of Machado and should be considered among the favorites to land the 25-year-old should Baltimore move him. However, a Phillies source revealed that the current asking price, which is reportedly four young players, is, quote, too steep. Machado is in the final year of his contract and is set to be a free agent at, at season's end. As a result, the Orioles may look to move him before the deadline to get a bigger return than just the draft pick they would receive if he left in free agency. However, given he's making $16 million this season, his market may not be as big as it might be in a normal year. Teams like the New York Yankees and Los Angeles Dodgers are doing their best to stay under the luxury tax uh, threshold this season so they can reset their luxury tax and potentially go bonkers in free agency. But given the caliber of Machado, there will be undoubtedly uh, there will undoubtedly be a bidding war for his services at the deadline as teams look to make a playoff push. On Thursday, MLB Network's Ken Rosenthal called Machado, quote, the best rental position player ever. After having a somewhat of a tough year at the plate in 2017, the 25-year-old is having a strong walk, uh, walk year and doing so while playing shortstop full-time in the majors for the first time. Machado is sitting, uh, you know, 323, he's hitting with a 323 batting average with 18 home runs, 15 doubles, and 49 RBIs in 60 games this season. Teams may use his... Um, Splits to get splits against him at the negotiating table with the Orioles, as he is a three thirty six hitter at home and just and just two ninety on the road. <laughs> I know two ninety so bad. The more glaring split is the fact that uh, twelve of his eighteen home runs this year have come at Camden Yards, despite playing in four fewer games at home compared to on the road. The seven year veteran um, owns a career two eighty two average against both right handers and southpaws. For those of you that don't know, southpaws are left handed people or players. He also has hit 293 at home while hitting 272 on the road all time. Uh, there's no question Machado is the real deal. Not only is he a tremendous hitter, but he is an incredible defender as well. He won two gold gloves at third base and is trying to prove to teams that he's just, at, just as good at, at shortstop, which remains to be seen. Uh, as Heyman previously pointed out, there are a handful of employees within the uh, Phillies organization who have ties to Machado after having worked for the Orioles. As a result, they know the player very well and may be the most aggressive. Philadelphia showed uh, with the Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta signings this past offseason that they are willing to spend uh, to contend. And with Baltimore off to a 19-42 and start, the Orioles may soon start selling. If so, the Phillies will be ready to make a run at Machado. So uh, Machado is um, he's a very great, he's a great player. Um, you know, for the Orioles, offensively and defensively, uh, I kind of, as a Dodger fan, I kind of want him on the on the Dodgers just because of, uh, you know, Corey Seager being injured and us being to a pretty rocky start. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, as I noted, he's gonna be his contract is running up. He's gonna be a free agent, uh, next, uh, you know, this this coming off season. So, 
I don't know. I, I don't want it to be a similar situation like we had with you, Darvish, last year where, you know, he, he did help us, but, you know, he kind of didn't perform when it mattered the most, and now he's with the Chicago Cubs, and we had to give up prospects to get him. We kind of came up short in the World Series. So I don't know about this Machado thing for the Dodgers, but as for other teams, I think, you know, if, if they're trying to contend and trying to make a run into playoffs, I think he's, he's a must-have, especially for a team like the Phillies that without him probably won't be able to make a, a you know, a late run into the playoffs, but you never know his baseball. So now switching gears to the NBA, uh, President Donald Trump said Friday that he won't invite the 2018 NBA championship winning team to the White House. According to ESPN.com, Trump said, quote, we're not going to invite either team. The Golden State Warriors um, coming into today's game, which I will be covering um, you know, later in this episode, have a 3-0 series lead over the Cavs. Uh, Trump's announcement came after Cavs superstar LeBron James recently said, quote, I know no matter who wins this series, no one wants an invite, an invite anyway. It won't be Cleveland or Golden State going. After initially inviting the Warriors to visit the White House last year following their NBA Finals triumph over the Cavaliers, Trump rescinded the invite in September of 2017. Trump specifically mentioned Warriors guard Stephen Curry at, the, at that time and said that the invitation was withdrawn because he was, quote, hesitating. Uh, that, lead to the, uh, you know, the, that led to the viral tweet that LeBron uh, tweeted out that has been covered so many times by now. Uh, this week, Trump uninvited the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles, who were originally supposed to visit the White House on Tuesday. Trump balked at the idea of a small contingent of Eagles players and representatives would be sent to the White House rather than the whole team. Additionally, Trump never extended a White House invite to the 2017 WNBA champion uh, Minnesota Lynx. The last time the NBA championship winning team visited the White House came in 2016 when James and the Cavs attended while Barack, while Barack Obama was still in office. So that's that. I'm not going to give my take on this. Um, you know, kind of. I'm not going to give a big take on this, but all I'm going to say is um, this is a bit of an to me, it's a bit of a non-story simply because since LeBron James and Stephen Curry both agreed that no team would go um, to the to the White House, regardless of of who wins the series, I don't I don't think it's a story of Donald Trump not inviting them because they already said they wouldn't go. So, I mean, it shouldn't have even brought, been brought up in the first place, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. Now, um, another NBA story that has to do with the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers and their ongoing, uh, you know situation with Brian Colangelo and their now now vacant um, general manager position. So the vacant Philadelphia 76ers president of basketball operations job is reportedly a coveted position. As Jenna West of Sports Illustrated shared, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski appeared on SportsCenter and said this, quote, what I heard around the league today were a lot of very good general managers in a lot of very good jobs. We're kind of looking at their contracts and hitting their agents going, is there a way I could get out, get out to get involved in that? Wojnarowski said, everybody wants the Sixers job. Uh, this comes after the 76ers announced Brian Colangelo resigned as president of basketball operations following an investigation into the use of burner Twitter accounts. Head coach Brett Brown will take over in an interim role. Chris Mannix of Yahoo Sports reported the law firm the 76ers hired to conduct the investigation connected the accounts to Colangelo's wife, who then admitted to creating and using them. Colangelo denied knowledge of his wife operating the, operating the accounts in a statement he released on Thursday via Tom Moore of the Bucks County uh, Courier Times. However, Rodronowski said in his Sports Center appearance that most people, quote, inside or outside of the Sixers organization, believe Colangelo was at least aware of the accounts. 
This story first came to light, as I've been covering many times, when Ben Detrick of The Ringer published an extensive investigation into five Twitter accounts connected to Colangelo that were used to criticize players, coaches, and his predecessor, Sam Hinkie. Notable players such as Joel Embiid, Markel Fultz, Nerlens Noel, and Jalil Okafor were scorned by the Twitter accounts, and one even set a failed physical from Okafor nullified a trade. Despite the headlines uh, the Colangelo story made, Philadelphia is still in an ideal position to compete in the Eastern Conference and an enticing landing spot for the the general managers that are looking to get out of their positions. The team was 52-30 and and reached the second round of the playoffs this past season and features building blocks in Embiid and Ben Simmons to go with talented role players. With this uh, competitive window now wide open following years of accumulating assets and acquiring young talent, the Sixers could also seize the opportunity to make a serious run at marquee free agents this offseason, such as LeBron James. Considering the talent in place and the bright future ahead, it is no surprise to me uh, that many people want to take Colangelo's old job. You know, I mean, but they have Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Markel Folds, Dario Saric, po- potentially JJ Redick, probably not, but uh, Marco Bellinelli. It's just a, it's a loaded team. And if you look at it, I mean, you go in there, the Sixers do better than they, did, than they did last year. And that would be, even if they don't sign anybody, they probably do better than last year because LeBron is probably leaving the Cavs. So the Cavs aren't going to be, uh, the, you know, as good of a team. The Celtics will be good, but the Sixers will probably be in a position to do better than uh, this year uh, or last year, I should say. Um, you know, when they made the second round, they, they now will probably move past the second round. And whoever will be the GM will get or president of basketball operations will get credit for um, you know, for the Sixers' success, even though they really, you know, not to discredit them, they probably wouldn't really do anything much different than what, than what Colangelo and Sam Hinkie before him were doing. So that's just my take on this. Now, another NBA story uh, having to do with the Boston, uh, Boston Celtics and uh, Kyrie Irving, former Cavalier himself specifically. There is reportedly some concern in, in the Boston Celtics organization that guard Kyrie Irving will leave via free agency in 2019. Chris Mannix of Yahoo Sports uh, said Thursday on his podcast that the New York Knicks are considered a threat to sign Irving when he hits the open market. Quote, I think they're scared. I think they're scared and should be scared to some degree of Kyrie Irving walking in 2019. I know he had a great year, but you know there are people in Cleveland that uh, will tell you that the Knicks should be considered a real threat for Kyrie Irving because Kyrie had talked about it, about playing with the Knicks with some players in that Cleveland locker room from what I was told. You know things can change. Obviously, you go to Boston and you become the face of the franchise. You're on a winning team. Maybe the mindset has changed significantly. Irving has an opt-out clause in his in his contract that can make him an unrestricted free agent following the 2018-19 season. Boston acquired Irving in a trade with the Cleveland Cavaliers last offseason. The 26-year-old Irving was named an All-Star for the fifth time in his career during the 2017-18 season as he averaged 24.4 points, uh, 5.1 assists, and 3.8 rebounds per game. He also shot a career-best 49.1% from the field and connected on 40.8% of his three-point attempts. Irving missed the entire postseason, however, after undergoing knee surgery. Despite Irving missing the playoffs and Gordon Hayward missing the whole season due to injury, the Celtics reached the Eastern Conference Finals where they lost to the Cavs in seven games. In my opinion, a Cavs team that should not have been anywhere near the NBA Finals, let alone the Eastern Conference Finals against the Celtics. But that's another story for another day. Uh, providing, uh, pro- excuse me, provided Irving and Hayward return to a f- to full health, Boston will have a loaded team in 2018-19 that also includes young stars in Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Terry Rozier, as well as veteran forward Al Horford, who I don't know if you guys know, Al Horford was really really good in the playoffs. I mean, he really stepped up with with the you know Kyrie and, and Hayward being um, you know out. So that's going to be a loaded team next year. 
the Celtics have the potential to be the top team in the Eastern Conference for many years to come if Irving decides to stay in Boston. But honestly, even if he doesn't, they still have have a have a chance to be a top team in a pretty in a weaker Eastern Conference. I mean, let's be real. If the, the Eastern Conference isn't as good as the Western Conference. Um, while title contention appears to be in Boston's future, the Knicks haven't reached the playoffs since 2012-2013. They're coming off a 29-53 season, but there is some reason for optimism with head coach David Fisdale now at the helm. Kristaps Porzingis is one of the fastest rising big men in the NBA, despite the fact that he suffered a knee injury that cut his 2017-18 campaign short. If Porzingis heals up and returns to form, his presence could be attractive to Irving since the pairing would have uh, the potential to be perhaps the best inside-outside combo in the NBA. So personally, I, have, I don't understand why Kyrie Irving would leave um, Boston to go to the Knicks. I mean, maybe he can leave Boston to go somewhere else, but why the Knicks specifically? This report, I, I, don't, really, I, I don't really know what to make of it. Um, just also because he left, he wanted to leave Cleveland and he, he got traded from Cleveland because he wanted to leave because of the fact that he was tired of being LeBron's sidekick and he wanted to be the best player on a championship team. And he has the ability to do, he has the, the opportunity to do that in Boston. So I, I don't understand this. Now, another NBA story that has to do with free agency, but instead of 2019 with Kyrie Irving, it has to do with this year with LeBron James. Maybe the Houston Rockets won't be in the running for Cleveland Cavaliers superstar LeBron James after all. Appearing on the Athletics TK show, ESPN.com's Chris Haynes said he's been led to believe the Rockets are not a legitimate landing spot should James opt out of the final year of his contract and become an unrestricted free agent. Quote, Houston has been linked a lot, he said. I've been told that that's not a realistic option. The Rockets have been considered one of James's possible destinations for some time. And the New York Times' Mark Stein reported last month that point guard Chris Paul had, quote, already begun his recruitment of James to Houston. But financially, James's lift with the Rockets has never made sense. ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski reported Saturday that the Rockets will likely have, uh, have to shell out a max contract to keep Chris Paul, as I reported. And, um, and general manager Daryl Morey has indicated the floor general will be back next season. Quote, he's been there before he's been there before at those moments and got injured sometimes, Maury said following the Rockets' loss to the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, according to the Houston Chronicles, Jonathan Fagan. Yeah, he took it hard, but you know what? He'll be back. He'll be back hundred percent and we're ready to go. There's also the matter of keep of keeping center Clint Capella, who will be a restricted free agent, different from an unrestricted free agent. The difference is with an unrestricted free agent, they could sign with any team, and there's nothing that their that their previous team could do about it. A restricted free agent can get, can get an offer from a team, and if the team that they came for matches that contract offer with the same amount of money, then he he goes back to the previous team. But if they don't, he goes he goes to the new team. So it's a bit confusing if you're not familiar with basketball. But just to clarify. Um, quote, got to sign Chris, want to keep Clint to Rockets owner uh, Tillman Fertittis at May 29th per KPRC's uh, Laney Fritz. If the Rockets shell out lucrative deals to bring those two back, it's hard to see a viable path to signing LeBron to a max contract. So I just I, don't, I just don't see it happening. I mean, you, ha- you have to get rid of Clint Capella or Chris Paul. You can't have Clint Capella, Chris Paul, James Harden and LeBron James. I mean, you're not you're not the Warriors. <laughs> There's only one Golden State. Now, switching gears to the NFL. Um... New England Patriots fans, don't worry. Rob Gronkowski is not going anywhere. According to NBC Sports Boston's Tom E. Curran, there is, quote, zero truth to rumors that Gronkowski could be traded on Friday. Similar, or today, and, you know. Uh, similarly, Benjamin Albright of AM1340 spoke to a source who said there was, quote, no truth to the buzz that surfaced on social media. 
Rob's brother, Chris, also chimed in with some thoughts, uh, tweeting, quote, sounds like fake news. Gronkowski, who, who contemplated retirement following the Patriots', Patriots Patriots, I don't know how to pronounce Patriots in plural, but uh, therefore he won a 33 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 52. But he reported to mandatory minicamp earlier this week. Following Tuesday's practice, Gronkowski told reporters he's, quote, trying to get a new contract, according to the Boston Globe's Rachel G. Bowers and Ben Volen. He also replied, quote, who wouldn't, when asked if he wanted a new deal made before the start of the 2018 season. A five-time Pro Bowler, Gronkowski finished last season with 69 receptions for 1,084 yards and eight touchdowns. So, honestly, this is a bit of a tricky situation if I'm the Patriots because you want to keep Gronkowski, you want to keep him happy, but you got to do what you got to do. What's, you got to do what's best for your, for your team, your organization. And I don't know if giving him a lot of money is best because, I mean, he, he's kind of, he's getting older. I'm, don't kid yourself. And... I mean, he's been injured a lot lately, so I say give him like one year, one year, two, two year at most contracts at a time. And if he doesn't like it, I mean, the Patriots were great before he arrived and they probably will be great after. So now um, covering the Patriots um, again has to do with um, the wide receiver Julian Edelman. Knowing the Patriots wide receiver Julian Edelman confirmed Friday he's appealing a four-game suspension for a violation of the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing substances. A micro-follow of NFL Network shared an Instagram story posted by Edelman who said he isn't sure what triggered the positive PED test result. The 32-year-old... Um, actually, um, my mistake. I covered this yesterday. I don't know what happened, how I didn't remember, but this was covered on the previous episode of Sean's Sports Show. My mistake. My apologies. Now, um, switching gears to a different NFL story. It has to do with the Houston Texans. I know for a fact they didn't cover this one yet. Houston Texans safety Andre Hall has been diagnosed with um, Hodkin lymphoma. Quote, my faith in God and the support from my family, friends, teammates, and coaches will see me through this difficult time. Hall said in a statement through the team on Friday, I will not let this diagnosis stop me from fulfilling my dreams, and, and I do not want anyone to feel sorry for me. I know how to beat this, and I will beat it. Hall was 26 years old, joined the Texans as a seventh-round pick in 2014. Since then, he steadily climbed up the depth chart and emerged as a staple in Houston secondary. Last season, he, last season, he tallied 71 total tackles, five pass breakups, a career-high three interceptions, and two forced fumbles while playing on the second most, while playing the second most defensive snaps for, on the team. Quote, Andre epitomizes what it means to be a Houston Texan through his leadership, community involvement, and, for, and team-first attitude, head coach Bill O'Brien said. We are confident that Andre's resiliency and infectious positivity, along with treatment and care from the best medical community in the world, will guide him through this recovery. The entire Texans organization is behind Andre and his family during this difficult time, and we look forward to his eventual return to the team. So all I have to say about this is I hope the best for him. It seems like he's a very good, he's a great player, and he seems like he's an even better person. So I hope everything's going to turn out for him, and I wish to see him in the NFL, uh, back in the NFL soon. Switching gears back to the MLB now. The first story of the day that I covered um, had to do with the Orioles and Manny Machado. Now it has to do with the LA Angels and Shohei Otani. Los Angeles Angels star Shohei Otani left Wednesday's game against the Kansas City Royals with a blister on his right middle finger, but it turns out he has another injury that will force him to miss time. The Angels announced today uh, that the right-hander has been placed on the 10-day disabled list with a grade 2 sprain of the UCL. Otani received uh, platelet-rich plasma and stem cell injections Thursday, and he will be reevaluated in three weeks. If that treatment doesn't work, Tommy John surgery quote, could be in Otani's future, according to Robert Murray of FRS Baseball. 
as impressive as he has been when healthy, Otani has dealt with some injuries this season. He first experienced the blister issue in April and has also suffered a mild left ankle sprain that month. None of the injuries had forced him to the disabled, uh, disabled uh, list, though. As well, uh, Yahoo Sports' Jeff Passan reported shortly after Otani signed with the Angels in December that the two-way phenom had a first-degree sprain of the ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow. After a rough spring training that led to speculation uh, that he would start the season in the minors, Otani has proved he can make an impact with both his arm and his bat in the major leagues. As a pitcher, Otani opened the season at 4-1 with a 3.1 ERA, 1.14 whip, and 61 strikeouts in 49.1 innings. He's also hit 289 with 6 homers and 20 RBIs. The offense already has had uh, to play without Otani in the lineup several times a week, and it has dealt with injuries to Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, and Justin Upton. Being a two-way player put Otani at twice the risk for injury, but with his talent, signing him was worth, was worth the risk for the Angels. However, they once again find themselves having to be cautious with the rookie star. So I, I, hope, I hope he's going to uh, recover. Uh, re- recover well. He, he will recover. Obviously, he's only on the ten-day disabled list. But I think he'll, I, I hope he's going to recover well, quickly. And um, he's a great player. He seems like a very nice guy. And I think it'll. I hope it'll work out for him. And I think it will as well. Now, another MLB story that also has to do with an injury to a pitcher. New York Mets ace Noah Syndergaard is uh, ailing once again and won't start Sunday's game against the New York Yankees. Anthony DeComo of MLB.com reported Syndergaard, quote, experienced some swelling and discomfort after playing catch as he recovers from a finger injury. Seth Lugo will take his place in the rotation. Syndergaard has been on the, on the disabled list since the end of May with a finger ligament uh, strain. Other than the brief interruption, Thor has operated as half of a d- dynamic one-two punch with Jacob deGrom. Through 11 starts this season, the 25-year-old has gone 4-1 with a 3.06 ERA, 1.18 whip, and 76 strikeouts in 64.2 innings. In the event he stays on the shelf, DeGrom will operate as the Mets' unquestioned number one starter with Steven Matz, Jason Vargas, and Zach Wheeler comprising the rest of the rotation with Lugo. So hopefully uh, hopefully he's going to recover well just like Otani and um, I'm hoping to see him back soon. Now switching gears covering LeBron James. Uh, a little bit more. Uh, signs are reportedly pointing toward LeBron James leaving the Cleveland Cavaliers this summer. Citing, quote, those privy to James thinking, the New York Times' Mark Stein wrote on Friday that, quote, pleading from family members appears to be the only force that could persuade him to extend his second stint with the Cavs and resist the opportunities to switch teams as he did in 2010 um, and again in 2014. A favorite hasn't emerged to sign James in the, in the event he opts out of his final year of his deal with the Cavs, but there is a group of teams that figures to jockey for his services come July 1st. On Wednesday, ESPN Stephen A. Smith appeared on first take. As he always does, I was watching that, watching that show in that, on Wednesday morning, and he said the Cavs, Philadelphia 76ers, Houston Rockets, Los Angeles Lakers, and Boston Celtics could all be granted meetings with James. Uh, Smith also mentioned James could talk to the Golden State Warriors, although he noted the defending champions aren't a particularly likely landing spot with Kevin Durant expected back and, he- and hefty financial commitments to Clay Thompson, Stephen Curry, and Draymond Green already on the books. In any case, the focus seems to be on the situation that will provide James with a clear-cut path toward more rings with his 34th birthday looming in December, as Stein wrote. Quote, the league-wide belief, of course, is that chasing championships is James's priority, with, uh, which, necess- which necessitates necessitates relocating to a team for better equipped to do so than the Cavaliers. He can do so either by signing elsewhere as a free agent after July 1st or opting into the final season of his current Cleveland contract and forcing a trade to a new home. I, I don't think he's going to resign with Cleveland personally. I can't say where he's going to go. Not because I can't, but because I don't know. 
Um, I hope he's going to come to the Lakers as a Laker fan. But um, I think Philadelphia is pretty likely. Uh, now, uh, switching gears to another NBA story has to do with uh, the Chicago Bulls. They don't, they don't get uh, covered that much in the breaking news nowadays. Um, the Chicago Bulls' feelings toward Chris Dunn could lead, could lead them to search for a new starting point guard this offseason. Per Joe Coley of the Chicago Sun-Times, members of the Bulls' front office and coaching staff are, quote, less than impressed with what they have seen from Dunn during his offseason workouts. Dunn was described as, quote, shortcutting his way through workouts so far, giving the Bulls th- uh, thoughts about adding a new point guard in the draft. Coming out of Providence two years ago, Dunn was one of the most sought-after draft prospects. He was selected fifth overall by the Minnesota Timberwolves. The, the two-time Big East Player of the Year averaged just 3.8 points per game uh, in, his, in 78 games during his rookie season. The Bulls, the Bulls acquired Dunn from Minnesota last June as part of the package for Jimmy Butler. The 24-year-old showed improvements with more playing time, averaging 13.4 points and 6 assists, uh, though injuries caused him to miss 30 games. With the 2018 NBA draft taking place on June 21st, the, Bull, the Bulls owned the number 7 overall pick. Slovenian star Luka Doncic, Oklahoma's uh, Trey Young, and Alabama's Colin Sexton are among the top point guards in this year's rookie class. Uh, so, I don't, I don't really know. I'm not very familiar with the situation. And um, I don't think that the Bulls should take a point guard just yet. They can always trade for a point guard. They have a point guard in Chris Dunn. They should give him a chance. They Don't take a point guard with your draft pick. Just don't. Now, switching gears to boxing slash MMA. I don't know what's, what this one falls under, honestly, but... Anyone hoping to see Floyd Mayweather Jr. competing in mixed martial arts in the near future will have to wait. Speaking to TMZ Sports, um, Mayweather said he's, quote, not thinking about fighting right now because his schedule has gotten too busy. Mayweather told Fight Hype in March that he's starting to, that he's started doing some training in mixed martial arts and was considering making the switch from boxing. Quote, I've started training already, not the physical part, endurance part. So far, I just uh, started running and Mayweather Promotions has signed their first MMA fighter. So I'm thinking about fighting in the MMA. I've thought about it. I started training in Miami. I look forward to fighting probably by the end of the year. We don't know. Right now, it's a 50-50. It's not really 100%, but I've already started training. UFC President Dana White joked in February that it was more likely Conor McGregor would return to the octagon for a fight with Mayweather than a third match with Nate Diaz. Mayweather's last boxing match was against McGregor in August 2017. He won via 10th round TKO, improving his career record to 50-0. and um, Now, switching gears to back to the NBA, the NBA Finals specifically. Uh, first of all, I just want to say that the Cavs-Warriors series is already over, but I'm just going to cover this uh, before... If the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to win their second championship um, in three in three years, they are going to have to make history in order to do so. That's something they have experience in doing. Cleveland currently trails the Golden State Warriors three games to none in the 2018 NBA Finals. A deficit no team uh, 0-13 in NBA history has ever come back from. Of course, prior to, the tw- prior to 2016, no team had ever come back from a 3-1 deficit in the Finals to win the championship. And then the Cavs did it. Cavs coach Tyron Lue was sure to mention before Friday night's Game 4 that his team had defied the odds in the past via 95.7 the game. When the Cavs rallied from 3-1 down, they did so against the Warriors squad that set an NBA record by going 73-9 during the season. Then again, that was a Cleveland squad that had Kyrie Irving and a Golden State team that did not have Kevin Durant. That historic collapse led to Golden State going out and signing Durant in free agency. In the two seasons since, the Warriors have already raised one banner and are one win away from their third championship in four years. But any team with LeBron James should never be counted out. So uh, that's that. Now switching gears to the NBA draft, some shots fired here. Um, this is pretty interesting. Um, 
Marvin Bagley III has taken exception to DeAndre Aiden proclaiming himself uh, the number one overall pick in the 2018 NBA draft. Quote, is disrespectful and I use it as drive every single day. The former Duke star told reporters Friday, uh, at the end of the day, uh, this is all talk right now. Eventually, we'll have to go on the court and we'll have to play. That's where all the talking ends. After working out for the Phoenix Suns, who hold the first pick on Wednesday, Aiden told reporters he wasn't going to meet with any other teams. Quote, I know I'm going number one. Aiden said, nobody told me I'll go first. That's just me. I think I deserve that. I've worked hard. BR Jonathan Wasterman has Aiden and Bagley projected as the top two picks in his most recent mock draft with the former Arizona standout going first to the Suns. So this is interesting and we'll have to see how this plays out. Now covering the result of Game 4 of the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors knocked out the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's over. The, the Golden State Warriors are the 2018 NBA champions. Um, this is crazy how much of a dynasty the Warriors uh, have become in recent years, just out of nowhere, to be honest. Uh, just kind of crazy, and I feel bad for LeBron. You know, he's, he carried his team. They had no business being in the NBA Finals. No business being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I mean, they shouldn't have even beat the Indiana Pacers in the first round. I mean, LeBron James absolutely carried his team. And I think that the Cavs team earlier this season, before all the trades at the trade deadline, would do better in the playoffs. The team that had Isaiah Thomas, Iman Shumpert, Dwayne Wade, Derrick Rose. I think they would do better than uh, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr., Rodney Hood. I mean, that's just me, but... That's just what I think. I think veteran presence is very important in the playoffs, and I think that's why they got swept, because they didn't have any veteran presence. I mean, that's one of the reasons. There's many. Um, just not even talking about the fact that the guys, the role players that should have showed up just didn't show up at all for most of the time. So, yeah. Now, covering, covering it a little bit more in depth, you know, not my take, but the statistics... Uh, you know, for the second straight year, the Golden State Warriors are NBA champions. And for the second straight year, Kevin Durant is the NBA Finals MVP. While Stephen Curry seemingly had a comfortable lead in the MVP race through the first two games, Durant used an unbelievable Game 3 performance to move himself ahead of his teammate. The six foot nine, 240-pound uh, forward uh, averaged 28.8 points, 10.8 rebounds, 7.5 assists, and 2.3 blocks for the series. Highlighted by a special game, 3, 43 points, 13 rebounds, and 7 assists. He put an exclamation point on that past performance uh, with a deep dagger in the final minute to seal the victory. Having a triple-double with 20 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists in the closeout game certainly didn't hurt his chances. He earned finals MVP last year by averaging 35.2 points, 8.2 rebounds, 5.4 assists, and 1.6 blocks per game. That series gave him a chance to validate his decision to leave Oklahoma City for Golden State, and he took full advantage of that opportunity. Durant had 30-plus points in all five games of the 2017 Finals, a feat he managed only once uh, in Game 3 this series. Last year was a statement series for him, while this year was largely an all-around team effort. Before joining the Warriors, Durant had made only one appearance in the Finals in nine years, losing to LeBron James' Miami Heat in 2012. In his two seasons since signing with Golden State in 2016, he has two more rings, or two rings, I should say, because he didn't win, win one before, and two Finals MVPs. In other words, he made the right decision for his career, even though he's probably not liked for it. You know, um, while Curry missed out on the Finals MVP award yet again, he said before the series that the only hardware he cares about is the Larry O'Brien Trophy. With Durant leading the way, the Warriors are NBA champions for the third time in four years. And if it hadn't been for the Cavs coming back from a 3-1 deficit, this would have been Golden State's fourth straight NBA championship. So just let that sink in for a second. We have a dynasty on their hands. Unless something drastic happens, like LeBron James going to Houston or something like that. Or, I don't know, LeBron, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers. Or LeBron in the Celtics. or 
<laughs> or LeBron and the Warriors, and then it's over for everyone. And like, there's no chance for anybody to do anything in the league. But I doubt that's going to happen. We'll just have to see. I'm very excited to see how this free agency plays out. And um, that's all we have for the breaking for the break, breaking news of sports. It's been a loaded episode so far, and uh, we're not done yet. We're going to be covering the Los Angeles sports teams now. Uh, the Dodgers, um, starting with the Dodgers. The Dodgers currently, uh, the game's not over yet. They beat, or excuse me, they didn't beat anyone yet. Uh, they are up six to three against the Atlanta Braves in the opening game of uh, their series with the Braves in Los Angeles. It is the top top of the eighth inning. And it looks like the Dodgers are going to hold on to this one. After today, the Dodgers' next game is tomorrow at 6.10 p.m. Pacific, 9.10 p.m. Eastern against the Braves as they continue this series. And, um, yeah, I hope Dodgers pull through and get the win. Now, the Angels, on the other hand, the Angels started a, a, you know, a road trip against the Minnesota Twins today, starting with the Minnesota Twins. Uh, the first game of the series, the Angels won 4-2. They improved to 36-28, and and the Twins fall to 27-33. and the Angels' next game is an early one tomorrow. It's 11, 11, 10 in the morning for us in Los Angeles, Pacific time, and uh, 2, uh, 2, 10 p.m. Eastern. Now covering uh, the MLB standings, starting with the uh, Dodgers in the, in the National League West. Coming into today's game, the Dodgers, uh, because the Giants already won, are half a game behind the Giants, half a game uh, behind the Rockies, um, and two games behind the Diamondbacks. So, yeah. So now the first place D-backs, uh, sec- third place Giants, fourth place Dodgers, and fifth place Padres are seven and three in their last ten, and the second place Rockies are four and six in their last ten. Now the Angels are still three and a half games behind the Astros for uh, second place, and four and a half games behind the Mariners for first place. So the uh, fourth place Athletics are four and six in their last ten. The second place Astros and the last place Rangers are five and five in their last ten, and the first place Mariners and third place Angels are seven and three in their last ten. So the Angels are turning things back around into their favor here. Now covering the LA Galaxy, uh, their next game is uh, tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. Pacific, ten thirty p.m. Eastern against Real Salt Lake. Uh, hopefully the Galaxy get the win at home. Uh, and LAFC's next game is also tomorrow at seven thirty p.m. Pacific, ten thirty p.m. Eastern, but it's against Sa- the San Jose Earthquakes. And uh, that's all we have for the Los Angeles sports teams now covering the 2018 French Open, starting with, um, usually start with women's singles, but there's no women's match today. The women's final is tomorrow, Saturday, June 9th at 6 a.m. Pacific time, 9 a.m. Eastern, because it's in uh, Paris, France, after all. The one seed uh, from from Romania, Simona Halep, goes against the 10 seed from the USA, Sloane Stevens. Let's go, Sloane. Hopefully, she'll bring home the W back to the United States. Now, um, covering... Um, the men's singles there were two matches today two semifinal matches the number one seed uh rafael nadal beat the number five seed juan martin del potro six four six one six two nadal taking care of business on clay nothing nothing new here and avoiding an upset the seven seed from austria dominic team beat uh the unseeded italian player Cicinato, who has, has he's been turning heads he beat alexander zverev the two seed novak Djokovic, the 10 seed so he's been surprising. But team pulls through in straight sets, 7-5, So the finals are uh, Nadal and team, which is interesting. Uh, as for women's doubles, there were uh, two uh, women's doubles matches today, the semifinal matches. Um, the six seeds, Krzykova and Sinyakova from Czech Republic, beat fellow uh, Czech Republic players, Klavakova and Stritzova, the two seeds, 6-3, 6-2. So they advance to the finals. And Nino Mia and Hazumi, unseeded J- Japanese Players are tearing it up. They they upset. They now upset uh, Yang and Chan from uh, China and Chinese Taipei, respectively. The eight seed six two six two. So they they're just taking out seeded team after seeded team, and you know they'll look to take it all uh, in the finals. Like, 
and it's just crazy. Now covering uh, men's doubles, there was um, one match today, the uh, one semifinal match, the two seeds, uh, Marac from Austria and Pavic from Croatia took on the 12 seeds from Spain, Feliciano and Mark Lopez, who are not brothers. They won in straight sets, 6-4-7-5 in a close match, which sets up the final. And uh, that's all we have for this episode of Sean Sports Show. Let me know um, what you think of this episode. I kind of changed things up, giving my take a little bit more and just being a little bit more enthusiastic. Uh, So just let me know uh, what you think, and I appreciate the support. I'll see you guys on episode number 95.